Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Cool. Well, thanks for having me this evening. Um, we've got uh, a little delegation, not a little delegation, actually quite a big delegation, off to the Send in Norway, like this evangelism conference, including Brian and Laura, which gives me the chance to be here to talk to you this evening, which I am very, very, very excited about. Um, I'm not going to continue with the Moses series because I don't know anything about soil types. So I'm going to let Brian take care of that. I can barely keep a house plant alive. So he can take care of all those maps and geology and blah, blah, blah when he gets back. I'd love to talk to you today about Ephesians chapter 4. Um, if you've got a Bible with you today, now's a really good time uh, to look that up. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's no problem. The words will also be up on the screen as I read. But while you're looking that up, just so you know where we're going this evening, we're going to be talking about what it means to walk worthy of our calling. We're going to be talking about what that calling is. And we're going to be thinking about how we can make that like um, as straightforward and accessible as possible within the context of Rehope Church. So we're going to be, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 15. Let's start reading verses 1 through 6 um, to start off there. It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called into one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm off down a rabbit hole like when I'm doing my Bible read through, I'm off down a rabbit hole because I'll like read one verse and then I guess like my eyes will be continuing to read. The words will be registering with my eyes and probably with my brain on some shallow level. But my train of thought is elsewhere. <laughs> train of thought is elsewhere. Train of thought, train of thought, chain of thought. Is it train of thought or chain of thought? I think chain of thought, chain of thought, train of thought, train of thought. Um, train of thought. Yeah, I think train of thought. I'm going to go with train of thought. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because all the ideas like follow after one another and they're kind of connected. But chain of thought, though, they're, they're linked together. That kind of makes sense too. Chain of thought. Train of thought. I'll go with train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with train. I could go with the train to Malig after Renderfest on the way up to North East. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it'd be really fun. Like Fort William. Like the Glenfinnan Viaduct, that'd be amazing. Like, I'd love to do that here. I hope that industrial action isn't still going on whenever I wouldn't really want to be driving up to Malik. Who can afford to drive up to Malik these days? Do you know that pedal station by Gartnaval, that one with the Marks and Spencers, that BP garage? Two pounds and one pence, point nine per litre for diesel. Who can be affording that, man? That's outrageous. I can't be doing that. I need that train to go. Listen, I remember whenever diesel was 50p a litre. That's the way that I work. Listen, here. Am I chatting about petrol prices? 
Like, am I that old? Is my chat that boring? Am I my dad? Here, my dad wouldn't be standing for those pedal prices. I mind when that pedal station opened up on the Hillsborough Road in Lisburn, that Shell station, and they'd put the big tower thing up with the prices on it, but they hadn't changed them yet, and it was 77.7p a litre back in the day. 1995, it probably was. And I says to my dad, listen, we'll not be going there. And he was, no, that's wild, that's awful. What were we talking about? That's my brain. That's my brain on Bible read-through. Listen. Wild, and it happens all the time, and yeah, like I'm just, I'm probably just getting distracted. Maybe I would like to spin it positively and tell you that it is really good lateral thinking, but I'm probably just getting distracted. And I feel like I get distracted most times when I read this passage, because I read the first sentence, and it talks about walking worthy of our calling, and I'm like, walk worthy. Is it walk worthy? Should it not be walk worthily? Like, what's an adverb? Why is there no an adverb there? Walk worthily, it should be walk worthily. It's is worthily a word? Is that even a word? I should Google that. I should Google worthily. Oh, no, no, I'm not bothering. Like those Bible translators, they're clever people. I'm sure if they meant worthily, they would have written worthily. I'm sure they know what an adverb is. Yeah, yeah, it's probably fine. It's probably just worthy, but maybe those Bible translators were Americans. And Americans don't use adverbs the same way that we use adverbs. Maybe I should say worthily, even if it says worthy on the page. What were we talking about again? That's me doing my Bible read-through. And I'm just like looking at the words that Paul has written. They're registering with my eyes, probably not very much with my brain. And I have no clue about what walking worthy means because I'm thinking about adverbs and probably just getting distracted. But distractions aren't wonderful, but they're not something that I really want to turn off completely. I don't really want to do that because sometimes it's those things that jump out at you that are the things that we're looking for when we're doing our Bible read-through. And sometimes those things jump out at you with like signal flares and flashing lights and alarm bells and they're like, do not miss this. And sometimes things jump out at you like, um, hi. And those things are easier to miss, but they're also important because they are still things that jumped out at us. And it could be something that God is drawing your attention to now Maybe it doesn't seem wonderfully relevant right now, but there's going to be something that makes sense with that later on. So I don't want to turn those things off. I still want to pay attention. Sometimes the um high things are really worth paying attention to. And initial reactions are really important Bible read-through skills. It's important to pay attention to the things that jump out at you, even if they're subtle, even if they don't seem wonderfully relevant, like is God using that thing to show you something later on? It's worth paying attention to that. And for me, this time when we were reading through um, Ephesians just a couple of weeks ago, it was the worthy bit. And I find myself thinking, what does it mean to walk worthy of our calling? Like what, what does it mean? And my initial reaction, I suppose, was that it means that we shouldn't sin. And I guess that's probably a pretty obvious first impression. Like Paul is writing to these dudes who have experienced Jesus' salvation. They've been called into God's family. And in God's family, there is a way that we act. Like this family has got some family traits that we follow. Like we don't do what is wrong and we do what is right. Don't sin. Makes sense quite logical. And that's always where my brain has gone with this. Paul is telling these dudes not to sin. This time when I was reading it, I was like, I'm not sure that that's all that there is to it. It's definitely there. Like, it sounds like a pretty poly thing to say. And for example, we get like those vibes when we read what Paul writes when he uses like pretty identical language in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, that says, you're my witnesses, 
and so is God, of how devoted, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored you, each of you, to walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So you get the vibes there, that Paul and his colleagues were good dudes to the Philippians, and they acted righteously towards them. They definitely didn't sin towards them. And because they didn't sin towards them, they expected and they urged the Thessalonians to act in a similar way. We didn't sin, don't sin either. I think that's definitely there. Still logical, still makes sense. And I don't think you could really make the argument that walking worthy of our calling includes sinning. So that makes sense. But my question this time was, is that all of it? Or is there more to it? Ring, 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 ring. Hello? Hi, Crooksy. It's everyone here. Um, just a quick question. Is it really what you're saying that living a sinless life isn't enough for you and there's more to it than this? Um, yeah, okay, cool. Um, bye. Not enough, eh? Just live a sinless life and more, please. I, high expectations, Crooksy. If you're thinking, yo, mate, bring it down a level then that's okay. That's what I thought in my own heart as well. I was just like, this seems like such a big, monstrous task. Like Paul is saying, don't sin ever. And I'm thinking, how am I ever going to be able to do that? But I have a God who is worthy of me living that way. I could understand if that was my calling, but give me a break. Like, how am I ever supposed to do that? Initial reactions are good but they can only take us so far. But they are a catalyst for further thinking. And whenever I came to the conclusion that God is calling me to live a sinless life and there's no way that I'll be able to do that, I'm kind of thinking there, there's more thought needed here. I probably should have known more thought was needed there considering I'd only read the first verse and then skimmed the rest. But more thought is needed here, so let's do a little bit more thought. And we're gonna think about it together. And we're gonna think about it in terms of goals and sub-goals. I'm a pretty um, task-driven person. I get a lot of satisfaction from getting the job done. It wasn't always like that. It's something that um, has been developed into my character within the last like 10 or 15 years, mostly thanks to my wife, Jamie, and Brian, and my dad. Very thankful for them, but I wasn't always like that. Um, sometimes I would just think, that's too big a task for me. I don't even know what I'm doing here. For example, since it's uh, like finishing uni and graduation season, congratulations, Jen. Um, let me tell you a story that's pretty much the opposite of Jen's about when uh, the first time I finished uni, or rather that I didn't finish uni. So uh, let me take you back to January 2005. No, September 2005. I'm about to start my first semester of final year. I'm studying Spanish and French. And in that semester, I had to write two dissertations. I had to write one that was 7,000 words in French and one that was 10,000 words in Spanish. And I had to have them done by January. A couple of students just went like this. That's what I thought too. I just had no idea even where to start with that. No idea. I could have emailed my advisor of studies that wouldn't have been such a hard task, but I just froze and I just panicked. And instead of doing anything, I did nothing. I just did nothing. It was due in January. I did nothing. 
Fast forward to May 2006, it's the end of my second semester of final year, it's exam week, and I am standing at the bus stop waiting to get the bus into uni to do an exam, and a car pulls up to the bus stop, and the window goes down, and it's my course director, and he said, do you want a lift into uni today? Translation, get in the car. <laughs> and I got in the car. <laughs> And he said, how are you? Translation, where are your dissertations? And I had to tell him that I hadn't even started and I didn't know what to do. And he was just like, yo, what were you thinking? And I was like, I have no idea. And then I had to do an exam. <laughs> loved that, loved that for me. Anyway, I eventually did my dissertations. They were due in January. I started them the following June. I eventually did them and I eventually graduated, just not with my class. The task just seemed so big that I didn't know where to start. And because I thought there's just no chance of me like, actually doing a good job on this, I don't know where to start, I'm not going to start. And sometimes it kind of feels like that with this walk with Jesus thing, like so much, like God deserves so much. And so much is asked of us that when you kind of put like what he deserves into our context, living a completely holy, sinless life, he deserves that. How am I even gonna do that? I'm never gonna be able to do that. Maybe I'll just not start. Or I'm, I'm about to fail. This is a pointless task. A pointless task is one that I am not willing to do. And when we kind of get faced with that, all we've got to do is break that big goal down into small goals. I could have done, I could have sent one email that was well within my means to be like, hey, can you help me get this dissertation started? My course director would have said, yes, that's his job. He had to say yes, and that would have been fine. My life would have gone on a di very different trajectory, but I didn't. So when we've got something in the walking with Jesus realm, let's just apply this principle to it, that when we break it down, we can make something that seems completely completely out of our range. Something that we can make some progress in and something that we can like even like experience some like checkpoints so we can be like, oh, I can see progress in this area. I can see progress in that area. Okay, cool. I'll keep going. And some of those like sub goals, well, Paul like lays them out for us just in that little section that we just read. Here are some walking worthy sub goals that Paul gives us. Like we can work on humility and gentleness and patience. We can bear with one another in love and we can prioritize unity and peace. And by doing those things, we can work towards this big goal of walking worthy of our calling. Now, something that I don't want you to miss is how all of these things that Paul says we can do are things that are for the benefit of other people. It's all about how we treat other people. And that should make sense to us based off what we've seen from First Thessalonians already. Remember, Paul was saying, we were good to you, so be good to each other. That makes sense. So, here is a sub-goal for us as we step into walking worthy of our calling. Sub-goal, be a good dude. Like, just be a good dude to each other, and that'll take you along your journey for walking worthy of your calling. And that makes sense, because that's just pretty much a paraphrase for what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13. He said, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another, just be a good dude. So, so far we've seen that if we want to walk worthy of our calling, we need to love one another. And loving one another seems a whole lot more accessible than living a sinless life. More achievable, more accessible, yes. Always easy, 
No, not always. But good news for us, we're not left on our own to do this. Let's keep reading. We'll pick up again in verse, uh, verse 7, and we'll read through the 13 to see what Paul has got to say about this. It says, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, When he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one he descended is also the one he ascended, far above all the heavens, to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Right, let's cut to the chase and then we can get back into the details in a moment. Here's the deal. God has given us gifts that we can use to pursue maturity in Christ and we should make good use of them. Paul begins this little section by talking about the measure of Christ's things. First, he talks about the measure of Christ's gifts. Then he talks about the measure of Christ's fullness. And it's here that I'm really starting to think that the goal isn't actually living a sinless life. It is more than that. The real goal is growing into maturity in Christ to the measure of Christ's fullness. That will involve the amount of sinning going down for sure, but there's way more to it than that. We are going to grow in maturity in the measure of Christ's fullness. And how spiritually mature was Jesus? Turns out he was very, very, very mature indeed. So how are we going to do that? I'm starting to think that this sounds like another big, giant, unachievable goal. How are we going to do that? That involves us going down another little rabbit hole, but it is an important one. Um, in this little section, Paul quotes from Psalm 68, kind of. Um, in Ephesians 4, verse 8, he says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to the people. But Psalm 68, verse 18 says, you ascended to the heights, taking away captives. You received gifts from the people, even from the rebellious, so that the Lord God might dwell there. Paul's flipped the verbs around there as he interprets this psalm, and maybe that sits a little bit weird with you, like you can't just go around changing the Old Testament to fit your, fit your needs, but I don't think he's being weird. I don't think he's being manipulative. Here's what I think he's up to. See, Psalm 68 is about God providing victory for his king, and in this case, the king is King David, and if you look at the subjects of the verbs in the Psalm 68 version, it's you and you and the Lord God. If they were talking about the same people, it would be the same subject for all the verbs, but they're different. They're talking about different people. The yous refer to the king. That's King David. King David ascended to the heights. It's talking about walking up Mount Zion to Jerusalem to where God is going to live, and the Lord God refers to the Lord God who is going to live there. Otherwise, it would just read so that you might dwell there if we were talking about the same person. We're not. David is doing the ascending. He's doing the taking away captives. He's doing the receiving of gifts because God has given him the victory. Get the spoils of the victory. That's the way it works. And he's going to go and he's going to take them to Jerusalem so that God can live there. Cool. That's what's going on there. Jesus, on the other hand, does a different type of ascending. 
because he's going to ascend, I mean, he starts in heaven, then he's got to descend down to the earth and like with his death, even lower than that, so that he can win the victory. Again, victory comes through God. And again, he gets the spoils of the victory. This time, since the victory is that he has proven that he is the supreme spiritual being over everything, everywhere, every time, and he gets as the spoils of the victory, like every spiritual authority in heaven and earth has now been given to him. That's what it, it, he tells us before the Great Commission. All spiritual authority that is rightfully his is reclaimed by Jesus on his victory. And because he's done that, it is his prerogative and it is his desire to distribute um, some of that spiritual authority in the form of spiritual gifts to his people. He's giving the gifts. In the Ephesians chapter 4 version, all the subjects of the verb are the same. It's he, 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 and Jesus is the he. Jesus is the one who's ascending on high, much higher than Jerusalem. Jesus is the one who is taking the captives captive. Um, yikes, uh, not sure about that. You can ask Brian or Laura about that one. They'd love to talk all about that to you. But Jesus is the one who is giving gifts to the people. That's his prerogative. That's his desire. And he does this thing because he is able to, because he is one. So Paul is not twisting um, some psalms to suit his needs. He is able to show us that Jesus takes this like victory king gifts thing to the next level. And he does that in ways that um, are really helpful for us so that we can do this thing, growing into maturity in Christ, which without Jesus' victory would be completely impossible for us. That's amazing. I'm, I'm so thankful for Jesus and what he does for us. You guys, yo, God has given us gifts that we can use to pursue maturity in Christ and we should use them. And since he has given us these gifts by the measure of his gift, so all spiritual authority, and we can use them to become mature in him, very, very, very mature, these gifts are very, very, very useful for us. So here's another little sub-goal for you. Use your gifts. Paul mentions gifts. Well, actually, he mentions roles. He mentions apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, but those people use the corresponding gifts. And notice here, again, same deal, these gifts are for the benefit of other people. Practicing these gifts helps you to do sub-goal number one. When you practice these gifts for other people, you're going to be loving them, you're gonna be being a good dude, and that's gonna help you grow to be more mature in Christ. That's your calling. And your calling will be tailored and unique based on the gifts and skills that um, God has given to you and blessed you with and they are well used when they are used to the benefit of other people. Like, think about this. You're not gonna be able to use your apostolic giftings without going somewhere else to strengthen other people's faith. Other people are required in that. You're not gonna be able to use your evangelistic giftings unless you tell other people the good news of Jesus. Other people are required for that. That's like necessary for practicing those gifts. 
So to live out your calling, to walk worthy of your calling, we need to be able to practice our spiritual gifts for the benefit of other people so that we can love them well, so that we can grow maturity of Jesus. If we want to walk worthy of our calling, there are two questions that we need to ask ourselves and answer. And those questions are, what are my gifts and how can I use them to the benefit of other people? Paul does give examples of gifts, but like this list is not an exhaustive list. So if you have just like heard those rules and the corresponding gifts that go with them and you're thinking, I don't think any of those particularly describe me, that's fine. This is not an exhaustive list. We know this because Paul writes other lists of spiritual gifts and a bunch of them aren't mentioned here. Generosity, for example. Hospitality, for example. Let's take, let's take the principle that God has given you gifts and when you practice them for the benefit of other people, you'll be loving them well, you'll be growing in maturity in Christ. If you haven't explored your spiritual gifting before, let me tell you about how fun and like life-giving it is. It really is fun. Start by asking God, God, what are my spiritual gifts? Like, what do you see in me? What have you given me? And see how he answers them. And like, join him with that. Like, join him with that by like trying some stuff out. But maybe don't just be like, uh, today I am going to do this thing. I mean, start by thinking, what am I like naturally pretty good at? Or what have I got a lot of experience in? Or what have I got um, a lot of joy from in the past by doing? Start with those things and explore what your spiritual giftings are. Because, I mean, I get it. Maybe you'll read down that list and think that doesn't describe me at all. But you are gifted. You have received the graces. You have received the gifts. Use them. That's so exciting. And hey, as you explore this and as you investigate, you could be well surprised. God often surprises us for good with what he has given us that um, we maybe haven't even like noticed before. So here's an example. So I don't think that I ever really would have considered myself of having um, an apostolic gifting, but um, okay, the story starts like one Sunday evening um, in front of that stained glass window um, in the balcony at the back of this church. And Ruth Weller, who was the lead pastor on the south side before me, but she was, uh, she was my supervisor here at the time, she asked me if I would join the prayer team for that Sunday evening service just for this week. Cool. Just for this week. We need people for this week. Can you just jump on this week? It wasn't just for that week. But I said yes, and I gave it a go. And I, it wasn't just for that week, so I kept giving it a go. And I developed, and I developed by watching, and I developed by listening, and I developed by giving it a go along with other people, and then I developed by giving it a go along with uh, just like me and, and the Holy Spirit doing that together. And it was exciting, and I started to see like this prayer grifting and um, like an anointing. Like I just want to give God credit for what he for what he did in me at that time, I started to see that grow. At that time, I would have described myself as a Bible guy. Like the prayer thing, like I prayed, you know, I prayed, but I wouldn't have described that as like one of my main things. But because Ruth asked and because I said yes, like God awakened that in me and that was really fun. Like that was, that was a spiritual gift that um, was awakened in me. Fast forward to September 2018 and my wife Jamie and I moved to Portland um, in Oregon to work for a church there. And one of the things that we got asked to do while we were there was to kind of like help 
bring some fresh direction and some fresh life into the way that that church prayed. And specifically, we started doing pre-service prayer, like exactly, pretty much exactly the way we do it here in that church in Portland. And I never really would have thought of myself of having like an apostolic gifting or calling or anything like that. But turns out, who knew that I definitely like traveled there, strengthened their faith, and then came back. It was a temporary thing. And as I was walking down um, just for, the, for this service right here, um, I was thinking about this and uh, God, I felt like God was like, you traveled there with a the specific purpose of um, bringing some life to their kids' ministry. That was your apostolic calling. And I was like, oh yeah, that thing that I dedicated three, three years of my life to. Forgot about that <laughs> for a second. Sometimes we just don't notice it in ourselves. Sometimes it's way easier for other people to notice it in us than it is for us to notice for ourselves. So as you explore it, I don't know, maybe you're going to read down that list and say, that's not really me. It might be you because that was like three years of my life and I didn't even clock that it was me. Turns out it was me. If you're starting off by asking God, show me what my gifts are, he knows you and he knows your gifts and he's gonna show you. And if after you've explored and tried a few things out, if you're still like not really completely sure, find a Christian that you know and you trust and you look up to and ask them like, do you see spiritual gifting in me? Like I'm struggling to figure this thing out. What do you see in me? And give them some time to think about it. If they need, maybe they'll be able to answer straight away, but give them some time to think if they need and then listen and receive what they say. Think about it, scope it out and see what happens. It's really exciting to discover your, and practice your spiritual gifts. If you already know what your spiritual giftings are, then great, use them. Use them regularly, use them frequently because this is really, really key because the consequence of using our gifts is that we grow in maturity. It's really hard um, to stay still spiritually. It feels like we're either maturing or we're regressing. It feels like we're going backwards or we're going forwards. It's really hard to stay still. And I think that's one of the reasons why lockdown was so hard because we didn't have the same opportunities to use our gifts for the benefit of other people. Like we weren't able to be with other people. Those opportunities were severely limited and, and that was hard. And the same as there are positive consequences for practicing your gifts for the benefit of other people. There are negative consequences when we don't get to or we choose not to practice our gifts for the benefit of other people. And Paul has got some stuff to say about that as well. And um, let's pick up reading again. We're gonna do a little recap of some stuff. We'll start reading in verse 11. And we'll read through the verse 15, and that's the end of the section we're going to be thinking about today. So uh, verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but by speaking the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head. That's Christ. 
Paul has a bunch of encouragements in his writing. He's also got uh, some warnings thrown in there too. He's been encouraging these guys in Ephesus to walk worthy, be good to each other, love each other, practice your gifts for the benefit of each other, go for maturity. Otherwise, it's immaturity. Otherwise, it's being like little children. Otherwise, it's insecurity of your convictions and your beliefs. Otherwise, it's gullibility and deceit. Otherwise, like we're gonna be like disunited within ourselves and like all over the place internally. And if we're disunited within ourselves, how can we even have hope of being like united as a body if we can't even be united in our hearts? See, Paul's warning them like pretty strongly because there's been a bunch of lies that have been dumped into that community in Ephesus. And you can read all about those in chapter two of that book. But those lies are like the opposite of what Paul wants for that church. So he encourages them because practicing our gifts for the benefit of other people and the unity that flows out of that protects us from the lies. And also the result is that we grow to be more like Jesus in every way. That's the end result. That's the goal. This isn't a sub-goal anymore. This is the big goal. Our goal is being like Jesus in every way. And we started off thinking today that our calling, like that we have to walk worthy with, means that we're not going to sin at all. And I was kind of thinking there must be more to it than that. And I think I found out what it is. Walking worthy means living our lives in a way that results us in growing to be more like Jesus. We're going to love one another. We're going to live in our calling by using our gifts to benefit each other. And we're going to see that there's way more to this walking worthy of our calling than just not sinning. It's about developing and desiring a Christ-like character. Because, I mean, like, you've probably been here too. Like, we can decide I'm not going to do that bad thing anymore. I've decided I'm not going to do that sin anymore. And you can mean that, like, 100% in the moment. But if your desire not to sin isn't matched by a pathway for you to be able to do that, like what hope do we have? That really is a pointless task. Our effort isn't enough. Like part, a part of what we need is we need a renewed character and character is just like way better than effort every time. What we need to see is reawakening happening in our own hearts to transform our character. And I'm repeating this a lot. I'm aware that I'm repeating this a lot, but I want us to get it. We need to prioritize loving each other. We need to prioritize being a good dude to each other. We need to prioritize our calling. We need to prioritize doing like our gift things to benefit each other. And we need to prioritize and developing a reawakened heart. Reawakening starts at home. It starts here, but it does not stop there. Paul's talking about practicing our gifts until we all reach unity in the faith. And we all reach unity in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity. That's all of us. Reawakening starts at home, but it spreads. So in that respect, even when you are prioritizing reawakening in your own heart, you're doing that for the benefit of everybody else as that reawakened heart like spreads through our families, our friendships, workplaces, church, city, nation. Probably again, I'm starting to do this thing where I'm like the key to like a reawakened Glasgow is you and your reawakened heart. And if that feels like a lot of pressure, listen, don't panic, break it down, break it down. At Rehope, we are convinced that one of the things that God has uniquely commissioned this church to do is to lay the foundation for long lasting reawakening. 
And here's how we're stepping into that commissioning. Maybe this is going to be new for you. Um, maybe it's just going to be a nice reminder. But at Rehope, we have got six commitments that members of this church agree to prioritize. I'm just going to run through them real quick. They'll be up on the screen and you can read them. And I mean, I'm just going to talk, I mean, maybe a little bit about some of them. Um, here's the first one. It's about dedicating your life to Jesus. If you have given your life to Jesus and you call Rehope your church, I'd strongly urge you, if you're not a member already, to consider membership. This is a really great pathway to develop maturity in Christ, really good. If you have given your life to Jesus and this is your church, let me recommend membership for you. Number two, look, I'm not gonna talk about this for a whole lot because we've talked today um, about loving people already a lot. Um, loving people is a maturity um, in Christ sub-goal, so we're gonna do it. Um, same deal, number three, about attending and serving at, uh, at Rehope. A maturity sub-goal is using your gift for the benefit of other people. You're not gonna be able to use your gifts for the benefit of other people unless you are meeting with them. So that's why we do this. And like not being able to do that is something that happened to us during lockdown, but it's not something that we want to choose for ourselves. So we commit to getting together and serving God together. Number four is like, I commit to being a faithful part of a Bible read-through group. Um, if you're new around here, and sometimes we talk about Bible read-through as if everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. Bible read-through is a book club, and every week we read like a book of the Bible. If they're little shorties, maybe we read a few, and we get together and we talk about it, and we're like, oh, I really like this bit, I really like that bit. It's a book club, it's really fun, and I like 15 out of 10 recommend Bible read through. And remember, Paul is talking about how we want to reach unity and faith and the knowledge of God's Son. And Bible read through is an incredibly, incredibly effective way for you to grow in your knowledge of Jesus and what he is about. It just works. It's so good. Changed my life. If you want to know more about that, I would love, 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 love to tell you more about Bible read through. Um, five is about praying together with the people um, of Rehope you know, same deal, like when you get together to pray for each other, like someone's praying for you, you're praying for them, your faith goes up as you see those prayers answered. And when you're seeking God's heart together, you get to know Jesus' heart for people more, you get to know him more. So we're growing in faith, we're growing in the knowledge of the Son. This is a really important, really good thing that we can do to boost our maturity in Jesus. And the final one is about committing to supporting um, your local Rehope location financially with your first and best. And we've spoken a lot today about how we're gonna do what we can for the benefit of other people. And generosity towards the church and its people um, is an incredibly effective way to practice prioritizing other people as you generously and joyfully give. So maybe as I'm going down that list, you're thinking, Crooksy, I do all of those things already, but you're not, um, you haven't applied to be a member of this church. I'm just like, yo, why not? Like, if you're doing it already, you might as well get in on the action. So um, you can do that. Apply, apply for membership today. Or maybe as you were listening to me reading down that list, you're thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good at those ones. But like, here's this one thing that I know is uh, something that I need to grow in. I'm not, maybe not so hot in that area. If you have identified an area that you need to um, that you need to work on, and that this pathway that you can walk down, you're going to see your maturity go up so fast as you step into that. Like that's a really fun place to be in. If you know what that area is, 
push into it, you're going to see your maturity skyrocket, I bet you. Or maybe you're, uh, you're listening down that list and you think, yeah, Crixie, I do, I do all those things, I'm a member, but I know that this is the one thing, or maybe the two things that I actually want to go a little bit deeper in, I want to push into a little bit more, like that's amazing too, like if you've identified the area that you want to become more like Jesus in, like that's so sweet, because remember, we're, the aim is to become like Christ in every way, to the measure of Christ's fullness, we've got a long way to go as he sanctifies us and turns us and transforms us into the image of Jesus. We've got a long way to go. So identifying the ways that you want to grow is a really great place to be. And you're gonna see maturity skyrocket. It's gonna be amazing. Whatever position you're in, this is a really good pathway forward for us to pursue maturity in Christ at this church. Walking worthy of our calling means more than not just sinning. Your calling is more than not just sinning. It's about the good that you can do for the benefit of others as a member of God's family, of his kingdom, of his glory, as you go through the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the key word there is the process. It, it is a process and it takes, it takes a long time. So be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself because we don't always notice when incremental growth is happening, like little by little, it's hard to notice that, Do you know? You never notice yourself growing up, but then when you go to see your auntie and she pinches your cheek and tells you how big you're getting, then you know that you're growing. But incremental growth is hard to spot in yourself, but other people will be able to spot it more easily than you because you're going to be loving them well. They're gonna be receiving that love from you. They're gonna spot it. You're going to be using your spiritual gifts for their benefit. They are going to spot it. So even if you don't see it in yourself, be patient with yourself. I bet that you're going to be making progress. So don't lose hope and don't give up as you, um, as you love other people, as you use your gifts for them, and as you um, seek to develop a reawakened heart. This is really worth doing really worth doing so that we can get to be more like Jesus and we just love him so much and we want to be more like him. Um, my dudes, I've got a couple of challenges for you this evening. If you consider Rehope to be your church and you're not a member yet, apply for membership today. It's really good. Um, if you want to talk to any of us about it, like if you want to pop over to that zone, like I, I can pop over there and, and talk to you about it or um, there's a bunch of people who are members here. We can, we can point you in the right direction to talk to somebody about what membership looks like and what it means, answer any questions you might have. Or if you'd just like to scope it out by yourself and see what the deal is, you can head to westend.rehope.co.uk and find out all of the commitments there. There's even a little button to click if you think, I like the sound of that, and apply for membership. It takes seconds. Like, read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, click, 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 type your name, boom, you're done. And it's a year-long commitment. Um, you can opt out at any time. Really, really worth doing though, really worth doing. Uh, number two, if you find yourself um, discouraged by um, the size of the task that walking with Jesus um, gives us sometimes, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I, I don't see growth in myself, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, and I'm just feeling like a bit weighed down by all this and a bit discouraged, Ask someone that you know and that you look up to as a Christian, ask them um, to help you 
to spot ways that your character is being refined. Now, look, maybe you're thinking it's weird to go up to somebody and be like, hey, can you tell me how much like Jesus I am? That's not really what I'm asking you to do. I'm saying if you are feeling discouraged right now, a wise thing for you to do is seek encouragement when you need it. And people will be able to spot the things probably more easily than you. It's a wise idea to look for encouragement whenever you need it and ask them. And if they need a little bit of time to think about it, give them some time to think about it, but they might be able to answer straight away. They might have spotted those things in you already. Get encouragement if you need it. That's a really good idea. Uh, my dudes, we're gonna move into a time of reflection in a moment, but before we do, I would love... I would love to pray for you. Um, God, we bless you. And we thank you that um, you've called us into your family and you've called us into your kingdom and you've called us into your glory. That's outrageous. Like you're God in heaven and earth. But we are not. And we love you. And we thank you for the grace that you show us. We thank you for the mercy and the forgiveness that you show us. We thank you for the gifts that you give us so that we can partner with you in becoming more like your son. Like see that promise, like you change us from glory into glory. Whiff. Like you're incredible all the time. We thank you so much. Like we are not gonna be able to do this on our own. This process is gonna take a long time, but you are able to do things that we are not able to do. And the spiritual authority is yours. And the breakthrough can come from you. For sure it can. We have so much faith that you can change us and make us more like you. And we look forward to how you're going to do that. We look forward to spotting it in each other and being encouraged by that. We look forward to spotting it in ourselves and being encouraged by it. God, I just pray that you give us opportunities to love well, to practice our gifts and to reawaken our hearts. Good things come from you because you're good all day, every day. And we thank you so much. Amen.